Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hi, and welcome to Third Waves. Third is a platform that amplifies underrepresented voices through print, events, and on the airwaves. We interrogate the intersections of culture and activism, bringing you interviews and discussions with guests who have knowledge and lived experience on the topic at hand. I am Daniela. I'm a writer, musician, and producer. I am Tribe, DJ, radio host, and music editor at Third. I am Rona, stylist, creative director, and founder of Third. Woke up today and the sun was shining. I said, Miss the sun. Where have you been? On this episode, we'll be discussing the impact of the pandemic on the arts venues that have had to close during the lockdowns and what performers and creatives are doing to stay afloat. Talking to us about some of these issues is Max Golfer, who works for Hootenanny, the venue in Brixton, as a music and events manager. He is a working DJ under the alias of Fizzy Gillespie and runs the event brand and label Swing and Bass. So, hey, Max, um, glad to have you on the show. Happy to be here. And thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Um, obviously, we've worked together, you know, through the DJ scene and all that kind of stuff. And we've had some amazing conversations about, you know, the effect that COVID has had on um, venues and the music industry and live music in general. And I um, wanted to get you on, want to hear your perspective and your input. So first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience out there who don't know. Okay, uh, my name is Max, and uh, my sort of my main thing really, I guess, is I work for Hootenanny Brixton as their music and events manager. So that sort of consists of me uh, working as a promoter, programmer, doing a lot of their marketing and advertising, uh, and sort of um, being sort of a point point of call for the venue. Uh, I also uh, run an event brand and label called Swing and Bass, which is about sort of 1920s to 70s music remixed into a modern style. Which oh, sick. Turn, probably make, uh, you know, the people from the past uh, who we sample turn in their graves. <laughs> yeah. Is it but, a bit like uh, Electro Swing? It, it, it sort of came from uh, a liking electro swing but wanting something more from it mm, uh, okay. so we do like we do like swing and funk with like drum and bass and jungle and that sort yeah. of thing um and then other than that uh what else is there to me <laughs> uh i'm i'm a dj under the the name fizzy gillespie and yeah i'm a part-time beat maker as well 
Nice, nice. Um, how did you get into all these stuff? Like, what was the first step in your journey? I think probably a, a couple of experiences jumped to mind, but I think it was going to an event called White Mink. I think it was called White Mink. Uh, that was an electro swing event, actually. And uh, yeah, I remember just being really inspired by it. And then I kept going to, I went to electro swing club in, in Shoreditch, like every single month it was on. And then... And then I think Glastonbury, into, yeah, Glastonbury went to that and it kind of gave me that experience of, oh, wow, there is something a bit more to this uh, events and uh, music world, that sort of community feel. And I think really it was that community feeling which inspired me. Uh, like, uh, do you know someone called Chris Tofu? No. Do you know him? Well, he he's a, he's an amazing programmer and promoter, and he um yeah I took a lot of inspiration from him. Uh, and he uh he was someone who gave me my first ever gig, uh, first ever industry job. Uh, he was the guy who uh, ran Electro Swing Club and was a real pioneer for pushing that kind of sound in the oh, UK. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's it, really. Just sort of. Glastonbury and going to some events I actually know I've got one more I should mention which uh is uh, the guy who runs swing and bass with Dan his name's Dan Smith and he he ran a party with uh his lovely girlfriend Alice and some other people as well uh called Purple and that was one of my first experiences of going to a club night in a city like London where it didn't feel like your typical club night I got then everyone was coming up and saying hi how are you don't know who they are and people just being incredibly friendly everyone's like saying hi to everyone everyone's dressed in like their their funky clothes and no one gives a shit and it was like wow this was one of the first experiences I was like that festival vibe can be in a city as well you know that friendliness it's not about looking cool or any of that bullshit but yeah it was just proper community feel and everyone yeah. was friends with each other and it was it was a really special you know type of event That's and I think I was I was very inspired by that uh uh that that night and I still am very inspired by Dan and his whole ethos so yeah I guess it's those those types of events I think it's hard to say any one thing but those things I mentioned I think really in, inspired me um and so how did you how did it land your I guess your journey into working for Utanani um well I, that came about because I was working for Continental Drifts uh who uh which is Chris's company and uh I was doing their events at Hootenanny uh as part of my job there uh and so I was working with the venue for about uh a year freelance uh and the parties were going uh really well there and they just invited i think they were inviting all their promoters in just to sort of give their thoughts and one day i was speaking to them i just said i love the venue i think you could do x y and z to make it better uh at this time i was i left continental drifts and was looking for a job and then they were like, do you want to come in for another meeting? And they were going, like, oh, we liked your ideas. Do you want to, oh, wow. want to try, like, actually implement them? Uh, so I was quite nervous, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, my ideas had 
you know, they were applicable to my own event. So I was like, yeah, these work for me. But I was like, can this work for a whole venue? Well, I guess we're going to find out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I got offered another job at, at Soundcrash at the time. Uh, and I don't know if you know who they are, but they're, a, um, they're sort of big London promoters. Uh, and they do lots of big shows with some great artists. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's an amazing company to work with. But I would have been, you know, much lower down the ranks. Um, and I thought, you know, actually better idea to be in a, a smaller company, but higher up and have a bit more control and freedom. And I'm very glad I did join because it's gone uh, <laughs> remarkably well, <laughs> all things considered. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering, because you, you said like you had ideas based on the events and nights that you threw and you wanted to kind of apply them to the venue how did you find that transition did it work did those ideas could they be adapted in that kind of setting the first six months were were very challenging uh you know uh trying to sort of implement these ideas and trying to work through things it was one of the most difficult things I had to do those that first six months especially trying to you know get my feet the start of 2020 before all this kicked off was actually one of the strongest months, you know, the strongest starts of a year the venue had had. And we were doing regularly over a thousand people gigs, which was great. Um, and the venue was on a real up and, you know, the online presence of the venue is growing. Um, this month is actually, even though we're closed, this has been one of the best months for venues online growth in, oh, nice. in years. Um, I think we've had like new, over like 5,000 new followers just this month, which is, Amazing. Great <laughs> for yeah. being closed as a venue. Um, but it all, I think the, the ideas all worked. Obviously, I had to to uh, adapt them. And, you know, I think with that's part of promoting is that if things constantly change and you kind of have to, you know, you have to be constantly adapting and things seem to be, you know, what my idea was three months ago and my strategy three months ago couldn't change with it like that, you know, because you've got to constantly adapt. Someone's algorithm on some site's going to change or suddenly the interest or shift in certain artists change. Um, yeah. I hope that answers your question. I don't ramble on too much. <laughs> uh, yeah. I had a question. Um, so in looking into this whole topic of like how uh, the lockdown and the pandemic is affecting venues and etc one of the things that I've come across is people saying oh yeah like some venues are like oh yeah we were kind of like thinking about digital presence or like digital events before this has obviously been a real like real accelerator and like holy we need to really look into this now and it's just it's fascinating to me that like a live venue like yours has had such a growth I mean it makes sense that there's been a growth online, I guess, but like having 5,000 new followers in one month without actually live events for a venue, I, this is bubbling my mind. Are you guys doing lots more digital events? Um, and how is that going? And is do you think that like you guys sort of jumping on top of that is what's propelling you guys having loads more followers in these lockdown months? As you were saying, like how some venues were looking at this beforehand, before this kicked off, we, fine enough, we were actually in quite a good position because we had been planning to do this before before lockdown had happened. And we we had all the cameras and everything in place. And we had, we had actually started filming for about two or three weeks before lockdown happened. And so we had, we had literally just begun. And 
we uh, we had only done a couple videos and it was filming of like the live gigs which oh my god a heartbreaking to watch right now we're watching back quite a few times you look at the ram the ram through and be like it, it, it gets you it get it's the feels um but yeah we had just started doing that and we kind of knew we wanted to go ahead with sort of doing an idea of like filming people and when lock the first lockdown started I just started doing stuff in my bedroom and like getting friends to do stuff uh, as well from their homes. And we did stuff for charity. We did streams for charity and we, we ended up raising a good few thousand pounds for a couple of causes, um, which was great, really positive. And then we like, right, well, we haven't got much else to do for the venue right now. Why don't we just put, uh, you know, put our time into filming people really. It's literally just inviting people in. We film them, we try to have a nice time and then see what sticks. You know, some videos do better than others and I think that's just part of it. You know, we got funding from the Arts Council to help, you know, support people and, you know, pay, pay musicians and pay lighting engineers and sound engineers and just try and keep people supported. It's not crazy money, but it, it's, it's something. But really, to be honest with you, for me, it's actually... The video at the end of it is less important, in my opinion, than the experience of doing something and coming in. Because for a lot of the people coming into film sets and videos, the amount of them that tell me they have they haven't you know done anything like any any gigs or anything like that, you know, music stuff for for months, and then that's their first sort of thing. And even though it's just uh, often like it'll be them just playing to me in the room, you know, it's. I don't know that that feeling. Seeing people come in and have a nice time and feeling a bit of an escape from the madness and a change in routine. Really, that's the most rewarding part of it. Uh, to be honest, with you, I found quite a bit of frustration with doing live streams, and that's the thing because it was like I'd spend hours sat behind my screen waiting for for uh, you know something to go wrong so you can then fix it. And so you're sat there. I remember doing a two day stream in the beginning of in the first lockdown but it was i was sat behind my computer for bloody hours and we did the virtual festival at hootenanny too which was 12 hours three days running um and yeah you do it and it's great people watching but you don't get that sort of satisfaction at the end of it you're like right oh it's finished and we've done all that work and now i'm not around any people or anything like that and that's kind of strange you know especially when you put in all this work so actually for me it's like going and having someone come in like yourself or whoever really you know come in and just having a nice time in that human interaction and that's that's the best part about it and there is but to answer your question uh daniela yeah i mean why is it being successful uh i think just because it's a community project and people are getting involved and it's just you know we're not like it's not it doesn't have to just be you know a big name or whatever it's like people of all sorts of levels and people who've just started DJing who people have been performing for 30 years plus and we're really like a big part of the ethos is every kind of genre you know we can think of right you know you see your boiler rooms your keep hushes and they're really great but they're doing like a very specific type of music but we're like right if we want to do reggae one day we can if we want to do gypsy or then drum and bass or disco and then latin music or then you know folk music it's like 
let's do it. Let's just do every kind of music because there's good in every genre and let's put it put it out there as a platform. Yeah, I think it's really, it harkens back to like what you said at the beginning about why you even got into this in the first place, that sense of community. And that's been, yeah, it's kind of really heartwarming to hear the stories of you filming with these musicians who are just like really, I mean, that feeling of tapping back into a community of people who just still love making music and listening to music and being around each other talking about music is it's really it's really heartwarming yeah I definitely would I uh, can kind of attest to that in the sense of like it going in and DJing it was it was like definitely a moment of like I haven't DJed for so long and like being able to kind of just go ham and go into my own little bubble and and play and have it recorded and have people like a few people vibe to it who were there the first time and the second time you were bopping along and it and it is definitely an outlet and I think a lot of DJs are missing that but the other thing I wanted to add to that so what you were saying is I do think with projects like Hoots TV you're giving a snapshot to the DJ London DJ scene and the music world that I think is currently being not really shown or is currently dimmed due to the circumstances. And even though like everything that's happening right now, years in the future, being able to look back on those videos and go, that's what was happening. Those were the DJs that were, although they weren't out in the clubs, these are the musics that they would have been playing. This is the kind of sound that we're kind of bubbling underneath. And I think it in its own self outside of COVID, I think it's quite an amazing thing in itself. Does that make sense? Nice one. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you guys like it. It's yeah. been. It's kept me from going loopy. It's something to do, <laughs> to do, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that leads us to the kind of big question in the sense of like, how has you as a creative, but as as you as a professional, been affected by this pandemic? Oh, I mean, how have I been affected in in every way, in every way, really? It, it's it's not just a change, you know, it's not just that work stops, but I think, you know, it's from so many people I spoke to, they would share this sentiment, and I'm sure yourself included, uh, that it's when it, these events and doing this job, it's not just, it makes up a part of your personality, you know, going out to these nights and working on this day in, day out, that is, it makes up a big part of you. So when all that just suddenly stops like that, um, you know, you, you, uh, you, you kind of, you feel like you lose a part of yourself. Uh, and I know a lot of people feel that way. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, everything changes. You kind of have to, you have to try adapt though and, uh, make the most of the situation trying to stay positive and it's certainly easier some days than others uh and you know don't get me wrong like uh it's some days I struggle to be productive as well even though online you know people like to put myself included look we're doing this and this and this and this and this you know and you try and you keep that look online because good for business but uh you know it's not always like that it is some days it's definitely hard so now it's like fuck what am i doing with myself today I need to figure something out my thing is and i sort of i write loads of like stuff on post-it notes i've got absolutely tons of these like in front of me we're just like all sorts of, like do this do that and that writing lists for me is a way i keep stuff from not going loopy 
A hundred percent. Writing little tasks and things to do. Um, but yeah, how has it changed? How has it changed things? Going back to the question. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's affected jobs uh, for so many people. I think people don't realize it's not just the artists on stage. It's the sound engineers, lighting engineers, security, bar staff, door staff, you know, the the finance managers, the, the maintenance guys. I mean, I could go on for hours and hours with the various roles and people that have lost out on work. Um, but there's a lot of people who have, you know, sort of been left out the cracks. And I think people kind of don't fully realize the full extent of how many people have been severely affected. Myself and Hootenanny have actually been quite lucky in the grand scheme of things. We've we've had uh, Arts Council support. We've had some fanfare and we had a system in place beforehand which enabled us to kind of make something out of the situation. But there was a lot of people who are not as fortunate who haven't even been able to open up during the summer with an outside space. Yeah. You, know, you look at Phonox down the road from Hoots, that's been closed the entire time and that's a great venue and that hasn't been able to open at all, um, which is heartbreaking. But yeah, it's it's changed absolutely everything. But I mean, it's got to try and adapt best we can and support one another really in terms of the funding and support that you've had from the arts council and and whatnot like was that something that you um were managed to secure quite early on in 2020 or was it like did it take quite a lag until like later on in the year that it it was started to become available and whatnot well i mean we applied we we had actually got arts council support um back in 2019 as well um because I knew where I was working at before Who's Nanny, they were getting yearly Arts Council support. So we were like, well, we should try that as well. Um, so we, we had already made a relationship with them in, before. In 2019, we had gone to speak to them, you know, made it a personal thing, uh, which I think really helped. Then when it came to COVID, because we already had a pre-existing relationship with them and, you know, they, they knew about us that I think that probably gave us an advantage. Uh, but, you know, it was applying immediately. And I have to give a massive uh, shout to Sophia, who is who's Nanny's venue owner. She has worked her ass off doing application upon application, uh, you know, spending weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, you know, refining these things. And it, it's, a right schlock writing these applications but yeah i mean apply as quick as she, they would apply she would apply as quick as she could uh uh after the application would come out and then you still have to wait you know quite a while i think it was like nine weeks or more uh i can't remember exactly how long it is but they take quite a long time to get back to you so you need to apply as soon as these things come out but the you know, they announce that they're coming. And so you just got to be ready on the day and you've got to just do it as fast as you can because you're going to have to wait for the decision. And the thing is you could wait and wait and have done all this work and you still might not get it at the end. We're currently waiting on the next uh, grant, which we should find out, uh, I think, beginning of April or something like that. I'm not too sure. And that was that was being worked on in December, you know. But, you you know, and then if you don't if you don't get that money, you then gotta you gotta come up with another plan, but I mean this year, the this whole pandemic uh, t- during this time, it's a lot of making plans and then 
you know, changing them a few days later with the amount of times we were having meetings of like, right, we're going to, we need to do this, spend the whole day all talking and try and figure out, right, we're going to do this, blah, 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 and get everything planned out for by the end of the day, whilst you're still working on it, another new story comes out and they've changed the, the law and they've added some sort of new stipulation and everything you've just worked on for the past 48 hours goes in the bin and you start all over yeah. again. Then you create something new, and then another, and then oh no, it's a new tier. Now you've got a, you got to set, you can't go up to the bar right now. You got to figure out a whole new system then that you've never had for a business, and then you got to go through all the rigmarole of that. And there's so much of that, you know. Um, it, it's been an absolute roller coaster and shitstorm. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, it kind of makes me kind of wonder what things have you had to put in place in order to adapt to the government-like guidelines and, you know, your own kind of professional concerns around the pandemic and keeping your business afloat. So what, as a venue, I think it's very fortunate that Hootenanny has the outside space, um, which can be utilised and can be, loads of people can sp- be spaced out over there. But what other things have you been able to kind of put in place and I guess, as you said, change and adapt to, um, to fit the circumstances? Well, I mean, we've had to do things like, uh, you know, table service, which is something the venue never did before, uh, which may not sound like that big of a deal, uh, but it's it's when a venue is built to run a bar in a certain way, that's a huge change. Like the thing is, even if the venue is completely full, when you know in social distance times, even if every table is full and you're constantly serving, it's still barely enough money because it's not the kind of money that a business like that is intended to make on a bar on the bar, especially with reduced serving hours. You know, when it was when we reopened, we could stay open until late during the summer. But, you know, then the the curfew came in up until 10 p.m. And then you had to get food, you know, with your meal, which then was going to put people off even more. And then they were saying it's only people from your household. Didn't matter if it was a group of six. It just had to be people you live with. You know, all these things. So how did we adapt? We just we had anything the government said that you had to do. You did it. You did it. Because if you don't, if you don't, you can't operate as a business. That is, it's as simple as that. You got to play the game, or, I mean, or you're you're screwed. Yeah. You know, and it's it it's it's not pretty, and it's not necessarily how we we'd like to, you know, be doing it. But like, there's a lot. We had a sign which said, "Please no dancing." How shit is that? That sucks. They even had to have a sign like that. I hated that sign personally, but I also understood why. It had to be there, you know, because it's not worth a 10 grand fine. Because if you lose that, then that's someone who it might mean that someone has to be thought about being let go of because you've now just lost their wages, you know. So it's it's not just like, oh, it's a business taking the hit. It's it's someone's livelihood, you know. And a business like Hootenanny, some people seem to think it's like rolling in it. I'm, like when we did our crowdfunding, there were comments thinking that, oh yeah, the venue. Why are they asking money? They're they're all super rich. It's like, <laughs> don't don't fucking run a venue if you want to be a big money maker. I tell you that now. Oh my goodness. No, I'm. It's like you know, it's a family run business, and the you know, the, it's not like uh, no one's rolling in it. And the fact Sophia and her family, uh, they care about the staff and the business so much and the people around 
them and I, I'm so grateful to them um you know I'm speaking on the venue's behalf today but really what that you know what they've done as a family is they've made all the people who work there feel like a part of their family and it's a really uh it's it's a real privilege to be able to work for Hootenanny, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a real community hub. And, uh, yeah, it, it's very warming being part of that community. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, they've, they've, adapt, they've adapted tremendously well. But it, it's people's, uh, all these things, all these regulations and all the things that the government throws at you, it's, it's people's lives on the line you know and if it all goes wrong it's it's the owner's home and her family and her children on the line you know there's so many things to think about it's it's really hard and it's a real slap of reality how do you feel like um uh, and we're going to take it a little bit political here um considering considering the government's handling of covid and the the whole um changing of regulations according to how the countries adapt you know um numbers are and all that kind of stuff how do you think they have had handled the live music sector side of things and the music industry and uh, the creative arts and theater and all of that because um I, I remember we spoke briefly about rishi sunak the comment that he made where everyone thought he said that creatives need to retrain and a lot of people were up in arms about that it was out of context to be fair to him what like he was kind of being goaded into kind of giving an answer to a particular question and then his answer that bit that snippet was taken out of context slightly he was kind of alluding that people will need to retrain but it, it wasn't in the way that everyone had interpreted from what i've read but um I think a lot of people at the time were up in arms, kind of like what you were saying, this is people's livelihoods, and and there seems to be a slight disconnect between what the government feels needs to be protected and needs to be prioritised compared to, I guess, people on the ground, the live music industry, um, music artists in itself, acts, um, and everything that kind of goes with that. So I kind of wanted to get your perspective personally, but also in general about how the government's handling of coronavirus, what's your thoughts and how it's impacted you professionally and the music scene? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think you have to say that we're, I'm incredibly grateful and the venue is incredibly grateful for, you know, the support from the Arts Council, which ultimately the government has organised. Uh, really, they there's something which kind of put it in perspective for me is that there's plenty of other countries which have had absolutely no financial support at all. The fact that furlough even is the thing and that we've been able to apply for grants, it's certainly not a perfect system. And there's certainly a lot of, you know, gripes, which people have myself included, which are valid, but at the same time, it could also be a lot worse and there could be zero support. Um, so in that sense, I'm very grateful. Um, I mean, I think it's a it's a complex thing for for me to go into. Uh, in it, it's really one of those things which could be a whole you know discussion in itself. I'll put it like this: I wouldn't want the job of trying to sort this mess out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't envy them. I think it's probably a, a very difficult job, and no matter what decision you make, you're going to piss people off, and some people are going to lose, mm. uh, no matter what. You know, a lot of this stop starting and changing and indecisive action, I think, has been, you know, has caused a lot of problems and has 
more negatively impacted businesses. But yeah, as I say, on the whole, grateful for the support and the fact that there's any kind of, you know, anything like that. So it, it could be it could be a lot worse. Mm, I think that's um, a quite a good balanced perspective. I think you often hear people complain about the cracks in the furlough system and the way it's impacting, you know, um, people who, let's say, have been entrepreneurs and not enough, they haven't been entrepreneurs for long enough or owning their own business for long enough or, you know, working independently as a creative to not, you know, count and all that kind of stuff, little things that make them not qualified. And I think you're right. There are various ways in which we are very lucky as a country to even have these things in place um, and that the, there is something like the Arts Council to fund and support and kind of prop up a little bit those businesses that need that extra help. So um, I think it is quite a good uh, perspective to have there. I feel like I should say, you know, obviously as you mentioned people who have sort of fallen between the cracks. I should say that I, I'm saying this is someone who I've been supported throughout this whole thing uh, and Hootenanny has been quite lucky as a business. Uh, so, I mean, I think... I, I'm in a position where I can sort of probably say things a bit more calmly, but I totally appreciate and understand where people who have more grievances and that I know plenty of people, plenty of my friends have fallen through the cracks completely and had no government support. And that is, that's awful, you know, but there's so many different situations. It's, I, I, it's hard for me to comment on them. So my, my, my opinion is just from our experience. Uh, but yeah, there's certainly a lot of people who need support who haven't received it. And that, that of course, is not good. The next song up is, I'm not sure if I'm going to say the name right, but I'm going to try anyway. Ama Ray. And it's kind of um, spelt a little bit different from, let's say, Amy Ray from the noughties, the one thing singer. And she's been blowing up. I think she's British. I could be wrong. Um, but Amory and the song's called Fancy. So the um, landscape right now, there are a lot of venues that are closing. I just kind of wanted to get your perspective in terms of a snapshot of what you've seen happen to the live music venues and kind of industry as a whole and where it's heading at the moment. Well, what I've seen is a lot of people uh, coming together in a way that I haven't seen before. And actually, in some ways, you know, even though we're all apart, I think it's brought the events and music community together in a way that I've not experienced in my life. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, you know, have an experience. It's actually opened up for me to meet people that I don't think I would have met before, to talk to more venues than I probably would have before and sort of, you know, come together. Um, so in that way, I mean, that's really, you know, that's quite uh, that's quite beautiful, I think, seeing people come together like that. I see us adapting and just trying to make the most out of whatever we have in front of us, really. Uh, and... I think there will sadly be more casualties along the way in terms of venues closing down, art establishments, uh, musicians, and you know, industry people having force being forced to change 
industry, uh, even though they've trained their whole lives in it. I think there's going to be a lot more of that still to come, uh, which is heartbreaking. But we will get through this. And on the other side, we will get back to things. Uh, and I am confident of that because what other choice do I have? I, what's the point in being negative about it? I couldn't bang my head against the wall and feel frustrated all I like. It's not going to make me feel better and it's not going to make the situation better. But if I'm positive and working towards trying to get things better and we're all doing that as a community, then, you know, at least at the end of the day, we can say we tried our best. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, the future going to be great it's going to be sick think about that first party back it's going to be ridiculous i'm going to be a liability for a month probably longer that's it gotta be be positive but like i said before i'm being very positive right now it's to people listening it's cool to have down days where you're not feeling positive i do i don't always feel this positive but yeah about a message of positivity do you know what i mean Yeah. yeah 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 Um, I have a question, like, since we're on this positive um, up, up ramp, up wave. Um, so, like, in some of some other types of industries um, where, like, for example, people who w- work in an office and they have to have long commutes, etc., there's been, like, some things that have come about as a result of this that lots of people are hoping will become more normal. So, for example, the ability to work from home and this kind of stuff. Um, and I was just wondering if there are any, what are the some of the things that you guys have started to do during this time that you're like, oh, that's actually brilliant. It would be great if we continue to do that more in the future that becomes more part of our sort of like repertoire of like how we run things and and et cetera. I think the a positive thing is that it's given given us an opportunity to reset in a way and to sort of take a step back and sort of really evaluate our priorities uh, and look at, what were we doing? What do we want to be when we come back? And how can we achieve the goals we want? When we come back, what's going to stay? I think Hoots TV and that sort of online thing, I, I think that would probably stay. Whether it will be in the same extent and to the same volume, I don't know. Uh, it's simply an, a time thing, really. We're hoping to, we're going to expand our team when the time is right. Uh, and so things are a bit more stable. And if Hoots TV can be something that continues forevermore, then that'd be great. I mean, we want to, we're going to film the gigs when they come back um, and continue doing that. I think something, the most important thing that will stay though is appreciation for how fragile this all is and sort of a new sort of outlook on it. And I feel like every couple months, my idea of what, what that means changes a bit. All right, for example, when when like the social distance gigs came back, or even before we had live music, we were literally just a pub with no music. The feeling of just having people around was like, that did so much for me. Uh, you know, didn't matter if there was no music, just having people in the room and like enjoying other people's company, that was huge. And I don't think you realise quite how much of a difference. Sometimes, you know, myself included, you like to go, oh, that, that music wasn't quite right. Oh, I didn't quite, oh, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like to be negative. People are negative. Do you know what I mean? The thing that will stick is being more appreciative of what we have and being like, you know what? Mates, my matey can't come out tonight. I'm going anyway. I'll go and yeah. buy my stuff. I'm going to go hug the speaker at the front. Oh, it's <laughs> a gig on a Wednesday night. Oh, I'm going to get back late and I've got to be up. Fuck it, I'm going because that might not be there tomorrow. 
you know yeah that, those things yeah. can disappear like that and we did not realize and we did take it for granted we could go to gates monday to sunday if we wanted to before um you know that place that oh i really wish i'd gone there need to stop saying that and just go to these places yeah yeah I, I would love to hear a bit more about what live music means to you. What and not just live music, DJing music and um, spaces where they their music is played, and I guess the importance of that, I guess, has been exposed through this pandemic. But for you personally, um, what is it? You know, I say it a lot, but uh, I I'll, I probably overuse this word, but I, I think for good reasons. Community, really. Music happens to be the catalyst which brings people together, but at the end of the day, it's about the people there uh, and seeing people have a nice time and seeing people sort of escape if they want to escape or, you know, if they want to come and enjoy some music. It doesn't matter why you go out for what reason, but if it makes you happy and you're having a good time, well, then that's great. You know, people have lots of different reasons for going out. Um, what does that music mean to me? It means it means my life, it means my personality, it means my friends, it means entertainment, it means it means making memories, making uh, sort of uh, life changing moments. Uh, but the key word is community, 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 uh, coming together with people and having a nice time. Uh, that is what life is about isn't it really you know just enjoying yourself doesn't matter if you're the music nerd who wants to stand at the back with your mate and be like oh i didn't like that snare and that track oh look at him he didn't do a good bit oh you know cool you want to be the geeky guy fine you want to be the guy who just smokes cigarettes outside the whole night doesn't even catch his like half a song the whole night cool you want to be that guy by yourself you know up at the front dancing like a loony cool be that guy want to be that person going to the bathroom with your mate every have along talking shit in there or you want to go kiss some person that you like or whatever or you just want to get really bloody drunk whatever that's all cool do that good if it makes you happy and you're not hurting anyone great all these things all these feelings community boom there you go that's my answer bam (laughs) (laughs) um i think that brings us to our last question where can people go to support and what is out there what is for people to kind of help support their venues and um their community as you said support locally you know uh don't it's not just about the big places which get fanfare. Support the places around you because if the people around the local people aren't going to do it, then no one else is. So support the places around you. If you can volunteer to help, you know, a theatre or a venue or whatever, whatever it's somewhere that means something to you. If you have the time and you are able to contribute in some way, you know, write to them, offer. They might not take you up on it, but at least give it a go, you know. Uh, and don't be disheartened if they don't take you up on it. It might just not be the right time for them, or they might, you know, you know, they might just feel like, oh no, we can't take more help from people. They might just want to like do it themselves, have a way of doing things. But you know, put yourself out there. Um, if you can, there's things like the Music Venue Trust have put together an amazing campaign to, to support venues. So you know, looking at work like them. Uh, like the music venue trust, donating uh, if you can to crowdfunders. Although I think you know there's less people doing that now because that's sort of that was earlier on in the pandemic. But there are definitely still uh, ones you can do. You know, supporting people's online ventures where you can. 
uh, is really important. If someone's selling merch, buy their merch, you know, doesn't need to go to a big, big store right now. Give it to, you know, give it to the independent people. They need it. Pick up the phone, call your mates, call up your creative friend, your art friend who, you know, might be out of work right now because that phone call could make all the difference to them. You know, go for a walk, make us make a difference locally and with the people around you. And if everyone does that, then then we're, that's going to make a big difference. The impact doesn't always need to be some big gesture. I know that sometimes myself included, you can feel like, oh, well, if what I'm doing doesn't have like this big wide effect, then is it is there any point? But if you're just helping a few people and everyone helps a few people, then everyone's going to be sorted if we're all doing just a little bit. So just just do what you can. Look look after the people around you is is the most important thing, uh, really. It, it's hard. It's hard though. It's hard though. It's not. Uh, there's not like a, a clear solution to how we get out of this and fix things. We just got power on through, haven't we? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I feel like um. Wow. I I actually really liked the positive energy that you delivered throughout. The whole time. Um, and I think it really ties inside. As I said to you before, we did a previous episode on bad habits and talking about how you can build, uh, not bad habits, positive habits. Well, and, <laughs> and talking about how you can build positive habits throughout the pandemic. And I feel like this is like a perfect also reflective point on spotlighting a specific area and bringing some kind of positivity in, in the way that we can carry ourselves and move through this difficult time. Uh, so I appreciate you kind of coming on here on Valentine's Day as well um, and sharing your thoughts and your experience. Um, yeah, Danielle, do you have anything to add? <laughs> Danielle is like sitting there tentatively, like kind of observing and taking it all in. Thank you definitely for sharing all those heartfelt um, stories and and good suggestions for how people can support each other. And yeah, I think lastly, just maybe just remind us where we can go to follow um, the online ventures and work and yeah, how we support you guys specifically. Oh, how do you support us? That's right. Well, you go to Hootenanny. Go check out Hootenanny, uh, Brixton, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all the social goodness. And keep up to date with our videos five days a week. Well, we're probably putting out more than five a week at the moment. But you get five full sets a week every Wednesday to Sunday at 6 p.m. On YouTube mainly. We were doing it all on Facebook. But the Facebook police are dicks. So they mute most of the music. So we put up clips mainly now. Apart from the odd set, which we can get through the popo copyright police guys. Uh, but yeah, Nanny Brixton. Hootenanny spelt with an A, not an E, like Jules Holland does. No, 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 with an A, the correct spelling of Hootenanny. You can catch me at Fizzy Gillespie, uh, at Fizzy Gillespie, yeah, everywhere. It's good vibes, good times, yeah, check it out. And also, I, I think the important thing is, it's not necessarily that, you know, people who can't afford to pay or support financially, like you said, there's various ways to support. Even just to follow will make a world of a difference, you know, so definitely. Like, do all that good stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Makes us happy reading comments of people enjoying stuff. A few people call up who in any office and they're like, Thank you for doing the videos. It like really got us through. It's getting oh my God. really sweet, you know? Yeah. Had some guy call up and he got, he got to point. I was like, Oh, I gotta go now. <laughs> All right, so to all the listeners out there, Max is sitting by the phone waiting for your call to tell him how much they're loving Hoot TV. 
<laughs> really go into detail, please. <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys are keeping positive as well. And, you know, doing things like this uh, is great, you know, to have something that's a change routine on a Sunday morning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's nice doing stuff like this. So thank you for asking me on today. Yeah, thank you. A nice one for doing doing stuff like this and giving people a, a platform to speak. I think it's a great thing to do. Uh, especially when we're talking about things that are important like this. Um, so nice one, guys. Big up yourselves. Hey, cheers, cheers. Thank you for um, chatting to us and for sharing your thoughts, man. It's been so good. But yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. It was really nice to chat with you. Wow, that was such a great interview with Max. I was so glad that he joined us on the show. Um, Tribe, should we just should we just go over again, like some of the things that people can really do to support? All right. I think one of the things that Max really brought home was supporting locally. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily mean thinking on a big scale, but just helping um, out, whether that's volunteering or contributing financially or some of the... Um, people that work in that space finding ways in which you can support that venue when they open you know being there and you know if you feel comfortable but various ways go fund and whatever that venue is doing um to keep afloat that you are able to do support locally support online ventures so that is like we said a lot of um people artists and um venues are doing things right now online like Max, who's got the Hoot TV. I know that loads of venues have their own little kind of DJ um, pop-up recordings. Uh, or theatres have also got like um, like completely isolated but in, in their venue recordings of their shows. Um, if that means streaming or contributing slightly to um, the maintenance of that, I recommend doing so if you can yeah and also also following them like just yeah. follow them subscribe to their channel it doesn't cost that doesn't cost you anything and it's a huge it can be a huge help i mean follow us actually while you're at it and talking about following as well speak about it like if there is a venue that you know you have loads of men- memories about and you really like what they do telling people about it getting them to also follow their pages as well and sharing some of the online ventures that is happening with that those pages will definitely will help those spaces uh another thing as well was buying merchandise obviously not everyone has the funds for it especially in these difficult times but if you can and if you you want to buy a hoodie why not why not buy it from the venue or your favorite band or your favorite you know artist or of any type you know actual Support in those ways will go a long way for keeping people afloat at time. And call your friends who work in the arts. Uh, a lot of people have missed their outlet right now. Things that have kept them going in life and that they, they've committed their whole lives towards and they're very passionate about. Um, and they're not only just navigating that, but also the, the pandemic itself. So just checking in, seeing how they're doing, seeing how they're keeping their heads up. Yeah, and other things in terms of like literal financial help, like beyond sort of supporting, yeah, crowdfunding um, ventures, 
also, you know, if you can buy a membership to a place um, and support them that way, like normally you can buy a membership and be able to go to the venue maybe. But like right now, if you can still afford that membership, a lot of these places are offering lots of stuff online or it's like you're going to be able to access stuff when things open up again. Yeah, I think with not knowing like what things are the ups and downs of this thing, like, you know, sometimes things open and then close again. If you bought a ticket for something, um, if you can do without that £10, because you bought the ticket for the thing, just donate it to the venue instead of asking for a refund. Oftentimes that will bring like some, yeah, that might bring something for you as well, but that can mean a huge difference to like the people who work in those venues. Um, if you just decide to like, yeah, donate that ticket rather than getting a refund. So yeah, um, yeah, last one is just to like, yeah, subscribe to the places that you like, just sign up to their newsletters and keep an eye out, like be the first one in line when they reopen or be the first person to respond to any call out that they that they put out there. Um, and yeah, and also follow us on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, yeah. Um, do we have news for third? So we are working on our fifth issue, guys, and we've brought this to you despite the current climate we're living in. We are running a pre-order campaign. You can find the details of it online on our website. Donate, participate, get involved. And Rona, there's something very special about some of the photography in this um, issue, right? Because this has, this issue has come together during like where most places have been locked down or travel bans have been in place? You know, in the past, we've not always been able to do our own shoots just because, you know, we're a small magazine. We are sometimes working with lots of different people's schedules and our own. But for this issue, despite a travel ban, despite the lockdowns, every single bit of photography is third's own. So... We've done virtual shoots and everything in between to make that happen. So if you guys can support what we've done creatively, I'm really excited to share. Please do. Once again, thanks so much to our amazing guest, Max, um, who you can find on Instagram under the DJ alias Fizzy Gillespie. F-I-Z-Z-Y-G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E. Um, and yeah, follow Hootenannies, um, and follow Swing and Bass. Remember, now you can find us on all the major podcast platforms. So please follow us on Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Cast, or wherever you listen to your stuff.